So Sean Six from the Liquid Conversations, and I'm here with who? Uh, this is Neil Fallon from Clutch. You and I off mic were just having a, a brief conversation about uh, weather. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that you're here in lovely Worcester, Massachusetts, and it is barely close to 50, if we're lucky, and we're talking about people that uh, go to shows and only see the end product of the of the band and all the hard work. They don't think about all that backstory stuff like weather and all that. Yeah, there's a, a you know, this is so, something that, I mean, maybe I even just got hip to recently because we started that Earth Rocker Festival, and usually every year, the week after the festival ends is when you start planning next year's right and you know there's variables from like local ordinances to law enforcement to you know your zoning laws traffic but the biggest one being mother nature because you really don't know up until a week ahead of time it's the big variable yeah that's why all these festivals have very large insurance writers (laughs) is is that something that because that's I, i think that's a good point a lot of people don't necessarily think about as a fan they go to shows and you know they're just pissed off because uh, you know maybe a set gets delayed if it's an yeah. outdoor show um you know like playing at river city rock fest in san antonio or doing earth rocker or you know you guys doing like download and stuff like that you know those are things where the environment around you can play tricks with you let alone all the politics and all the bullshit that goes along with putting on a show or having a festival what is it like for a band to try to potentially have some sort of contingency plan for something like that i mean does that is that something that registers in your head or you just show up okay we can play or we can't yeah it's usually i mean when most bands when they sign a contract to do a festival part of the contract is you can't play within 500 miles a week or you know a month before or after because they want those fans coming to that show so usually the the band's hands are tied um and you know, ultimately, there's the stage manager of the festival that everyone answers to, and he's answering probably to um, not even the promoters, probably uh, answering to some first responder, saying, looking at a radar, saying, "We got a cell coming this way. We can't do this. We've, yeah. you know, we've um, been in those situations." And you know, it's also sad because the the local crew, I mean, they work their tails off for weeks. And if you have, look at any major festival and you look underneath the stage. You'll see a, you know, a dozen hammocks with crew guys asleep underneath, you know, a PA system. That's how tired they are. Right. So, you know, sometimes they're just waiting until you guys are done so they can tear it out. Exactly. It can't come soon enough. But um, (laughs) uh, thankfully, you know, we've had good luck. I think probably the worst one we ever had was the Voodoo Festival in New Orleans. We played through that and that was more or less like a hurricane and ruined a good amount of gear. I know Seven Dust, they lost all their gear playing at uh, Sturgis a couple years ago. Um, So it happens, you know. Mother Nature has the last... She doesn't doesn't care about your rock band. So for a band like Clutch and for you guys coming from the roots in the background and you guys slugging it away for, you know, pretty much close to 30 years now at this point... Is that anything that even registered in your mind as a younger man saying, okay, we got to worry about going from playing in a honky tonk or a shithole dive bar or something like that. Now we have to worry about somebody saying there is insurance on a festival. Mm, That's why we have a manager. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't have to really think about these things and how we... the most important thing above all else is the show and the a band ha- and the crew has to think of that as the holy grail and anything that messes with it or distracts 
from it needs to be cut off. Um, you know, when we were very young, it was just kind of flying blind. It was half of the fun was the adventure. You know, I remember coming to Ohio for the first time and thinking this is exotic. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah right. So, you know, it's... Um, I think over the years I've, you know, gained more of an appreciation for like the, the giant machine that presents these things. Um, but really, truly, um, you know, it's, it boils down to that, you know, either 45 minutes or 90 minutes or two hours where the fans and the band are interacting. And that's, it just goes to show how important it is to people that they're willing to do that much work. Granted, there's, a, there's money involved, but, you know, a lot of those bands that are on those festivals, they're just playing to be seen. They're not getting paid a whole lot of money. And the reason that I'm trying to kind of discuss that with you is because on the way here tonight, one of the things that really kind of struck me hard was that Clutch has always been that band that kind of represented the anti-hero really for the most part there wasn't a lot of pomp and circumstance about it and there never really has been and that was kind of the idea it was about it being genuine it was about it being honest it was about it being for you know a good fan experience about the live show and when you have stuff like that that kind of can affect what you guys have for a main goal it's when things start to kind of get interesting do you think that bands now like you were saying you know bands do festivals or do shows just to get seen they're not really getting paid do you think that there's a certain number of bands that are out there in this in the uh, music environment now in the world that are getting paid but still don't have that mentality that they should be thankful that they're on the stage and they're doing all that oh stuff? sure i mean i've i've been bad and i'm not going to mention any names right i don't I'm expect you to you know call anybody out smack but, talk but right i've seen you know bands before and after their sets treated as if they were digging ditches you know um get the hell out of here you, yeah it's usually the, the bands that are on it you know 12 30 in the afternoon that are the most excited um because it's new to them and you do this long enough sure you can get jaded um in some ways but i find it you know crucial to be incredibly grateful because to make a living in the creative arts is a very rare thing for of course it is. anybody most of my friends who are musicians or painters or writers, they do it after work or on the weekends. And that's what they really want to do, but it's not, it's not sustaining them and their families. So knock on wood, we're in a position where we go on tour and I no longer have to worry about getting a gig in between those tours. And that's the case for a lot of you know, musicians. Um, they live life as a hobby, but in their mind, it's a dream. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, that's a fair description. And... And I think early on, I took it for granted because it happened so quickly. Right. And it was only after some years, you know, especially when a family gets, you know, brought into the con uh, to the big picture. You, you ask your, you have to do the some soul searching and say, will I be able to support a family doing this? Right. And you know, we rolled the dice, and thankfully that also happened at the same time that the internet became such a big thing, which put a lot of wind in our sails. You know. All the A&R representatives on planet Earth couldn't do anything with us. So uh, now we, it's much more uh, word of mouth on a global scale, I guess. You know, and that's that's the irony that's behind that is insane, really, if you think about it. Because I actually had a conversation with an artist the other day. She's a um, She plays bass. Uh, she's a singer also, too. And she originally had, um, how I got exposed to her, she was in the Boston area for a long time. Now she lives in Texas. And her band that a lot of people know her by is called Alien Knife Fight. Okay. Okay. And she sent me a friend request on social media the other day. And I'm like, weren't 
aren't we friends on social media before? It's like, you know, we've done interviews and stuff like that before. I'm like, is this that virus that's going around that's going to snatch all my contacts and then piss mm-hmm. everybody off and get, yeah. into, you know, she goes, no, she goes, I actually was off of Facebook for a while. I deleted my page and I'm just starting a new one. She goes, as much as I don't want to, she yeah. goes, I kind of feel like I'm compelled that I have to. Yeah. You mentioned that saying, you know, well, the internet coming out and people being able to be exposed to clutch might not have necessarily been what clutch wanted to do, but kind of had to. It's like most people don't want to shop at Walmart because they hate Walmart, but they kind of have to. They're they're forced to almost. Yeah. Well, I will say one of the, the best decisions I ever made was never having a Facebook page. <laughs> Just speaking personally, <laughs> yeah. my, my wife has one and I see people on Facebook where in real life like this, I, I think right. they're great people. Right. But on Facebook, they're they're asshats, and I don't know which is the real version. Right. But that I'm t- going off on a tangent. Um, when I say the internet, I kind of I just mean like strictly like fo- originally it was file sharing and Napster, right. and then you know BitTorrent or what have you. People then, had access to. Yeah, it. and then uh, you know or just peer to peer. Then Spotify and streaming services and Apple Music, and suddenly there was a record store for free in everybody's you know phone or or desktop or what have you. And I think people just talked and. That that's when our shows got a lot bigger. Um, we had a lot of tour support in the 90s. Not a whole lot happened for us. Um, you know, they were great shows, that, but they were smaller. Um, you know, I don't have any less love for them than, you know, Tonight Show. But um, I don't I don't envy young bands. You know, I th- because there's so much out there, I don't know how you cut through the noise. And I see bands, you know, that seem to be more concerned about their follower count than the work. You actually know. put it on a good and I hate to use the term because it, it makes it sound like it's not artistic but product you have to put out a good product to actually draw people in instead of worrying about the, whether or not yeah. you get Facebook shares at the end of the day it's it's the song that matters right that's the only thing that matters um, and you know I've if you were uh, I think that that'll do the heavy lifting for you if you write good music the rest there. is easy sure there's plenty of people that do wacky things on social media and they may be really big but I don't th- but that that's a very, such a transient thing I mean I can tell you the most the, the best concert I ever went to was over 30 years ago and okay. I remember it like yesterday I cannot tell you what the last thing I looked on Twitter was and that was about 20 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you you really resisted the whole anything to do with that especially twitter you were like I, yeah, well, I, I hated to do it but i kind of I, I don't want to say i got pushed into doing it but i was i was told over and over again it's you know you can get great information and it's true it took me a while to filter out the garbage but you know it's like i can find out cool things about things that interest me whether it be astronomy or right. science fiction new releases and i wouldn't find out any other way if it were not for that um but you have to be your own gatekeeper you know, if that's a good point. It's um, I, I, I approached it as like, this is what it, I want it to be an honest reflection of what I'm interested in and not um, front and say, well, I'm just going to follow other bands. OK. You know, or everyone else that follows me. And actually, at this point, I've, I've spoken about Twitter much longer than I thought like, you ever would like to have. <laughs> you know, it's such a in, it's such a. <laughs> intangible thing right um but it consumes all of it basically. yeah and especially on tour there's so much downtime 
Right. Like, you know, I wouldn't normally go walking around, but it's kind of chilly. I don't feel like it. And that's, I'm also feeling kind of lazy today. So there's a lot more <laughs> mouth breathing on the phone. You know, I, I wanted to, you know, get into talking about the new album. And we had talked about this in, in Vegas at Los Radius about the album. This was, you know, obviously prior to it coming out. And we discussed the name of the album and stuff like that. Speaking about social media and speaking about the internet, uh, when you look at, the response to Book of Bad Decisions, how do you honestly think that the album would fare if we didn't have social media? Um, I don't know is a short answer. Uh, if, if none of the, if the internet and that kind of the whole uh, vehicle to spread information didn't exist, I, I'm quite confident it, it would be received well by our fans right but there would be much less of, of a it wouldn't global, spread as quickly speed, you right. know I, it's um the world is getting has gotten a lot larger for clutch you know we used to be able to do you know a, a tour and it was now we have to do you know half a dozen of them to feel like we covered all our bases um so i don't know that's a that's a hypothetical i don't know the answer to uh, best answer i can give one of the things that we had talked about before and to be honest i've been thinking about this ever since we had this discussion mm-hmm. uh about about the album and some of the concepts that were behind the album about you made a statement to me about having people in your wheelhouse that would write you when things would go bad or when you'd make bad choices as a person do you think over the years that if it hadn't been for people doing that that you wouldn't be here right now that's another another hypothetical but um, I mean, you think about your family or your friends or yeah. people that are close to you or even just bandmates I would say yeah sure there's you know you do this this long you know there's feast and famine and there's good times and bad times but if if the band is focused on like i said the 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 song and the performance that's your that's your north star and any like i said if it distracts from that you need to learn how to get rid of it uh but i think probably the biggest thing was becoming a father you know that made things real didn't it yeah it was like okay now it also made a lot of things very trivial things that i thought were important are just laughable at this point i just don't have time for that again i don't care (laughs) because it no longer matters and i I used to think you know once you became a parent that was your creative death knell because you were going to be tired all the time and not have time for anything but it was the exact opposite having to explain the universe to a blank slate is a huge responsibility it's also really fun and challenging to you know answer questions that would never have occurred to you in a million years right. you know why is this how come that and sometimes it's great inspiration you know uh, or a, a seed for a song it puts things on an even playing field for a lot of people because it does kind of break like you said the trivial stuff about it i'm a parent myself and i know exactly what you're talking about when you have a toddler ask you you know why the cat's doing something yeah, and you have to explain something without taking it for granted that they already know. Mm. It does make your storytelling a lot better. Yeah, it's a good exercise. It's yeah. a constant. It's a. It's you know, the, there's these things called writing prompts. <laughs> Yeah, it, that's all. A, you know, a conversation with a child is one long writing prompt. Right. And um, you know, sometimes it's okay to have a license to lie. You you can exaggerate stuff, or if you don't really feel like explaining something because of their age, you can learn how to artfully dodge it. 
Right. Um, you tell them not to do it, but you have to utilize that a little bit just to get through the day-to-day mm-hmm. with children. And it also, it, it kind of hits home your, your own mortality. Right. You know, you're, you feel like you're 18 until suddenly you feel like you're 47. <laughs> you know, you're like, wow, <laughs> that train came around the corner really <laughs> yes, hard and did. fast. Yes, it did. And that's a good thing to yeah. think about those things. I don't think it's a negative thing because it applies to all of us. Listening to you talk about stuff like this and having a chance to discuss some of this stuff before with you in the past and seeing the progression of Clutch over the years, this album, this creative work is definitely, I feel, my opinion, is this is a turning point for you guys. This is something where all that struggle and all that hard work has gotten you to that point, but you're also older, more mature, have a different outlook on life and what's important, such as having kids and mm-hmm. how that changes things for you. How do you think this time frame is going to affect you creatively going forward? Well, it's it's gratifying to know that there's clutch fans out there that, you know, are still into it. Right. Because we haven't really changed much. It's the same four dudes. People still like listening to us. I'm not going to ask any questions. Um, and, and I think uh, we don't really have to change much at all because I think if we started trying to um, cater to what we thought our fans would, we would get called out on it very quickly. I think that's pretty accurate. And, yeah. um, you know, because that's no longer music, that's marketing. And it's also very liberating because we've, we've got our own record label. We can do it when we want, when we feel like we're ready in the terms that we want to do. Um, you know, and I'm not, I don't think anyone in the band is thinking, okay, the next record is going to go triple platinum because this is not that kind of music. And that's not why we got into this. You're just trying to survive. Yeah. Well, that, and it's, you know, it is fun. Yeah. It's still fun. You know, when I, we go to Europe, you know, like, like, we go to we went to Croatia last year, and there was a sea of people singing lyrics that I wrote in my basement ten years prior, and it just kind of split my wig, <laughs> and that never ever gets old. Right. That that's like a ninety minutes of feeling like I'm eighteen again. I can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. When you're younger, they're not quite as often because you don't have enough life experience behind you for them to make as much of an impact. But as you get into a certain point in your life, and and I have no problem saying I'm I'm middle aged. I'm at that point in my life where from here on out it's kind of a downslope and and I know that and I'm comfortable with that at this point but now when you have those things like that happen it literally does make you go right back when you're like you thinking oh my god what would the 16 year old Neil be doing right now in high school thinking that this was happening yeah and you know what the thing I never would have believed it but the uh, the fact of the matter is I think some of the one of the worst things that can happen to a band is to have like a huge hit or successful record right out the gates because I know I was if that were to have happened to us it would have been a train wreck right I wasn't responsible enough I would have taken it for granted completely yeah and then then the bar gets set so high it's a bitter pill to kind of scale down from that but if you never get a taste for that it's it's just been a slow progression and I can say with the luxury of hindsight this is much better because these are fans of the band as opposed to that huge hit we had in 1994 you know because it didn't happen we have we have hits with fans but not the greater public and that's a big difference. The fans worked as hard and stuck with it as long as the band has. I think that's a fair fair statement for sure. Yeah. So what's next? Well, uh, we've got a boatload of touring to do. We've got we're going home next week. Uh, the tour got extended a bit longer than it was supposed to because I got sick the second week and I had to go home. Thank goodness we were geographically close enough that I could go lay on my own couch <laughs> and not at a Holiday Inn. And uh, we'll go take about three weeks off. Then we go to Europe for four weeks, come home for five days, do the Christmas run, 
And then we'll take January and the first half of February off, go back out. And then next thing you know, it's going to be festival season in Europe. And we're going to do that. And probably uh, we, we're already booking our December dates in Europe now. So before you know it, it's going to be this time next year. We wrote Book of Bad Decisions almost a year ago and some of these songs are almost two years old so i would hazard a guess by the time we get to halloween 2019 we're going to be starting thinking about the studio again yeah it's uh that's that's what puts fuel in our gas tank that's good to hear because one of the things that i see a lot of bands and and i'll kind of leave it with this for the for the end of this interview is that you get so much time in it's good to see that people still have that drive to keep doing this day after day after day after day and you know seeing a, a smile and a spark in your eyes saying this is still fun is very encouraging for a lot of other people out there to see that well that's good to hear you know it's uh it Good things take time, and going back to you know, social media, what we were saying earlier, I think people have become incredibly impatient. Very much so. Uh, instant gratification, and most things that are instantly gratifying um, are empty vessels. Yeah. And it's uh, we owe it to Clutch fans for you know sticking with us for this long, and we haven't we have no intention of stopping because it's just too it's just too fun. Perfect. Thank you, man. Cool. Appreciate it. No problem. The Liquid Conversations podcast is brought to you by Dirtbag Clothing. Wear it till it stinks.